Coming up on this edition of the Golf Digest podcast, we discuss our favorite match play moments and have a chat with four-time European Tour winner, Matt Wallace. My God, my swing feels like an unfolding lawn chair. Why do they even have water if you're not supposed to hit it there? Because it's fun. We're having fun. What is this, custom? Mine's off the rack. I wish Tiger Woods was here to help me with this. We'll do it live. Welcome back to the Golf Digest podcast. I'm Alex Myers, and I'm joined by Sam Wyman, Daniel Rappaport. Obviously, we're all still at home during this coronavirus pandemic. Um, Sam, how's it going working from home? I'm, I'm, uh, I remember hearing you complain about this years ago, how tough it was with the young kids. I'm, I'm finally understanding how tough yeah, it is. Yeah, well, my kids are a little bit older. I always no, say I, I know. I'm saying yeah, back in the day, you said, yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't necessarily say it's easier. I never thought I would miss you guys as much as I do right now, just being pulled up um, at home. But yeah, I mean, look, it's it's a challenge for all of us on so many levels. Um, but we're we're making it work. I, I don't know if you follow me on Instagram, but I've been uh, really taking to painting watercolors yes. of uh, yeah, golf we're... courses. This is this is desperate times. Bring out a uh, new <laughs> new. Resources. You and George W. Bush, big painting guys. Exactly. Well, he, I think he has he has a sort of talent. I have no yeah. talent, which I'm, I'm at peace with. So, well, you and Valentino Dixon drawing the, uh, the golf course. There's some parallels there. Kind there, of there, are, look, yeah. there are some parallels. Yeah. Uh, well, anyway, we got uh, we're going to talk about uh, some of our favorite match play moments, some other match play stuff because obviously this would have been the week of the WGC Dell Technologies Match Play Championship, which is uh, one of the best non-majors of the year, obviously. So we, uh, we'll get to that. We have a great talk with Matt Wallace, four-time European Tour winner, uh, talk about what he's doing during this time. And, uh, but first, we do want get, get, you know, to get you caught up on some of the stuff that's been going on since the last time we all talked the, uh, with the coronavirus. Um, we out now have the PGA Championship postponed. We have all PGA Tour events through the PGA Championship uh, canceled. So uh, as of now, the first possible PJ Tour event would be Colonial, May 21st through 24th. That's a month from now, basically. Right. We, uh, sorry, two months from now. So Spoiler so alert. Pretty – shaking his head, not like it's not going to happen. Um, we've had the ANA uh, inspiration, the first women's major rescheduled for September. We've had a lot of rumors about the Masters being rescheduled for October. We've certainly had – um, the hotel story that came out last week. So, all right, Dan, I'll start with you because you're shaking your head about the events coming back in May. Uh, what, what has surprised you or not surprised you thus far with uh, all these cancellations and announcements? Not surprised at all that the tournaments are getting announced. Maybe a little surprised that um, we haven't even gone further than that. Mm. Um, I think there's a general sense among players and, and agents and people who are involved in the game that the best case scenario is probably June at this point. So it, there's still a slight possibility, but there's, there's a disconnect between, you know, what you see on the cancellations, like, okay, it's only gone through May. And then what you read on non golf stories, right? Where these experts are saying, this is going to last three to four months. I saw something yesterday saying that the, uh, the restrictions that are in place in New York state could last, you know, up to nine months. So um, it, it, there just seems to be a disconnect between the, the, the medical community and the sports community. Obviously, the sports community very hopeful, right? We want these sports back, whereas the medical community is being kind of removed and dispassionate about it, and they can sort of analyze it from a, a, a public health perspective. So right. I think I think we're going well into the summer, a best case scenario. I honestly do. Well, you say June, and so a month after Colonial would be the U.S. Open, 
at Wingfoot. Sam, I know we've been looking forward to that, especially because it's in our, our backyard and we were, we were both there in 2006, the last time it hosted. You know, it, what can they do? I mean, is there anything, um, any steps that they can take? Or it, it just, it's a tough situation because I think we're going to talk more also about some of just regular golf courses uh, being closed across the yeah. country and you have to maintain yeah. them else so a lot going on you know as we're talking we're in day one of uh this sort of state new york state mandated lockdown of you know non-essential activities and i think uh governor cuomo would argue and i would agree that the the building out of a golf uh tournament infrastructure which was required at wingfoot um would probably fall into the non-essential bucket and that's the that's the problem where it's not so much about what the world looks like uh, the second week in June or third week in June in terms of what's safe. Well, that's certainly a big part of it. It's also about even if it was hundred percent safe, what can they have ready? Because right. you know, there's, it, it requires such a, a long buildup. So um, I believe Wingfoot is officially allowing itself a little bit more time and the USGA allowing itself more time to make a, a formal decision. But you know, all of those factors make it seem unlikely. Yeah, and also given the fact that New Rochelle, which is the, the next town over, two towns over from Mamaroneck right. where Wingfoot is, is like an epicenter for this thing. It's There's been a con- containment zone yeah. much longer than they've had the shutdown because right. there was an outbreak there. And, and New York City, I saw a stat yesterday, or New, maybe it's New York State, State it accounts for over 5% of global coronavirus yeah. cases now. So it's a real epicenter. So whether you take just the logistics aside, the optics, right, right. of even let's say that the, things are a little bit calmer you're really stoking the fire by going right back to the epicenter and bringing in thousands and thousands and thousands of people to an event. So I just don't see how it's maybe so there's a vaccine, something changes, but, but, you know, barring something dramatic, I can't see a U.S. open in Marinek in June. Yeah. I just also think everyone would be, you know, respond or irresponsible to kind of project, you know, this is what needs to happen because it, you know, it, it, it just keeps changing. And, uh, the more serious this becomes and it becomes more serious every day, it's almost like, yeah, your golf tournament, you, that's got to wait, buddy. There's, there's much right. bigger things on the horizon here. Right. So, well, Sam, I see the, the iconic eighth hole at Rye. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Behind you, your zoom background. Uh, we talked last week that you had played. We talked with uh, our Mike Stachura who done a story about going out and playing. Uh, obviously some things are changing. Some States are starting to shut down. What, what's the latest with you and Rye? I know, I know a friend who wanted to play on Thursday at Rye and, uh, I know they've taken a lot of precautions, but can you go out there and play? Still? Yeah, they, 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 I mean, today's Monday, so they're, they're closed, but I was shocked, uh, and, and without judgment that, that I got the email yesterday that they're still open, you know, they still keep open, right. continuing to add new restrictions, no carts, you know, you can't show up and just ask for a tea time. You have to call in advance. They're trying to limit uh, they limit the amount of traffic and flow there by having people kind of know exactly when they're going out. Right. Um, no, you know, can't touch the flagstick. There's no rakes in the bunkers. Yeah. You know, all these things. And uh, again, not essential business, although they do add a provision in some of the language about these sort of this lockdown about, you know, solo uh, outdoor exercise is allowed. And I guess, again, I don't know, but I guess they're saying that, that golf falls into that category, which I, you know, we, we all agree with. We know we've had a lot of discussion and talked to a lot of people that, that golf relatively speaking to other things is, is definitely safe. However, now you're talking about people who have to go to work, um, you know, uh, people, of course, marshals and people who work, you know, first tee starters and maintenance crew. Right. Uh, those are people who, who need to be at work as well, as long as you're going to have a golf course open. So I, I was surprised. I can't say I'm disappointed because it's really an option for me. Yeah. But, 
but you know, I guess it's, it's day by day. Well, and, and some of with the essential workers, uh, there've been some arguments and I guess it's going to go through even, even some courses that are closing the maintenance crew will a skeleton crew will still be able to go out there because the golf courses are arguing, well, when this opens back up, if we haven't done anything in two months or whatever, we're going to then need another month right. to get ready right. and that's going to hurt our business even more. So and there's just so many things going on. It's, it's really incredible. And, and, you know, Rye, obviously that's a, that's a town course versus right. a, a private club. I mean, a private club, you know, and you have, you're thinking of a wealth, wealthy membership and everything else and how they kind of support a private, a, a town owned club is looking to make money for the town. So, I mean, it's, it, there's, there's different dynamics going on. Yeah, there's a whole economic part right. of this, which I mean, which is which is huge. I mean, you know, the, obviously, I don't, you don't need to tell me. Um, you don't need to, you don't need me to say that that the more you are restricting businesses, the less money is flowing and less income, uh, more income is being being jeopardized. And it's it's you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of dominoes that are falling as a result of this. But I think the argument, and I, which I would agree with, is is that you know, the most important thing is making sure everyone's healthy because then we can deal with everything else afterwards. Right. Speaking of economics, Dan, you did a good piece on the Corn Ferry Tour players who are being affected, obviously, greatly. We, we, we always rush to think of the PGA Tour guys and we're seeing their fun videos and everything. They're, they're, they're seeming to make do, whether it be Peloton battles or, or backyard tips or whatever. But the, these Corn Ferry Tour guys, Dan, I mean, they, they don't make a lot of money, obviously. And there's um, they have to play really well just to make some money. And now you take out a huge portion of their schedule, even if it comes back in a couple months. Uh, just talk about how some of these guys are really struggling. Yeah, it's it's been uh, kind of a confluence of really unfortunate events because so the PJ Tour has already uh, had 22 events because they have a wraparound season. Obviously, right. it starts in October and goes through now. So they have uh, 22 events and handed out over $160 million in prize money already. The Corn Ferry Tour has had six events and handed out under $4 million of prize money. And, and making it even worse is, so there are five Corn Ferry events that are outside the country, um, right. which are the most expensive events. The, the Bahamas event is the most expensive from the guys I've talked to. Right. All five of them have already happened. Right. So the most expensive events. Now, the tour was, was set to come to the, the Southeast where guys could drive between events and carpool mm. and share rooms and things are just much easier logistically and, and that's all canceled. So yeah, it's just to sort of give you a, a comparison um, when the players was canceled, they uh, decided to divvy up half the prize money and hand it out to each player evenly. So each player received a $52,000 check. Um, only 18 players on the Corn Ferry have made that for the entire season so far. <laughs> so it's, it's just, it's really jarring because the Corn Ferry Tour also, you know, these guys are one step away from the PGA Tour. So on the, on the Grand yeah. Pyramid of professional golf, they're near the very top. The Corn Ferry Tour is the third best tour in the world, I think most people would agree but it might as well be miles difference from the PGA Tour. So they're really struggling. Um, this is supposed to be prime earnings season and there's a lot of ramifications. What do they do with the 25 the list that determines who goes to the PGA Tour? What do they do with guys with conditional status who are guaranteed a certain amount of starts, but now it's a shorter season and guys aren't gonna wanna skip tournaments. So there's less spots. It's just a really big mess. And a lot of these guys are, I talked to one guy who's giving lessons online now, you know, they're, they're thinking yeah. about how can, I, how can I save together some other money? A lot of guys are, you know, back to playing mini tour events, which they thought they were done with. So, right. uh, you know, the, re the reaction from the PGA tour has been sort of, this is boring and convenient, you know, let's, let's try and stay busy. Right. The reaction, the corn freight tour is I need some money and I need it quickly. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a tough spot for those guys. I hope, I hope the PGA tour does 
find a way to yeah i saw the minor league baseball is is doing some sort of stipend or, or they're right. going to help their players out in some right. way i and I, I reached out to corn Ferry tour uh, officials and yeah they, no they respect they res- well they respectfully yeah. declined to comment okay. because okay. it's you know it's such a fluid situation like yeah. sam has been saying it could be different tomorrow and i think everything is on the table from you know maybe distributing prize money or you know, lengthening the season, shortening. They, they just don't really know what's going on, just like we don't know what's going on. And they also have to wait for It's a top-down directive. It comes from the PGA Tour. So the PGA Tour schedule and their decisions dictate all of the lower tours. So they're, they're just waiting to hear what, what happens uh, with the big PGA Tour, and that's going to affect their season. Well, you mentioned the mini tours, and I, I wanted to bring that up. That, that's been, I think, a surprise to a lot of people. Some of these mini tour events are still going on. Now, obviously, they don't want to attract these huge crowds, but, you know, you think about you, you need some people working these tours, and you need a field, obviously, but the Cactus Tour, uh, the West Florida Golf Tour, we saw the All Pro Tour cancel last week, but they did play an event the week before. Uh, interesting. I mean, the Cactus Tour, you had Anna Nordquist. She's a, a two-time major champ on the LPGA. She wins that event. I was kind of kicking myself because I could have bet on it, and I knew she, <laughs> she, had the, she had played in an event at this course, a men's event, and was leading the week before. So, But I, I, are you guys surprised at all that some of these tournaments are still going on? Uh, I'm I'm shocked, but that also yeah. speaks to the the level of disconnect uh, across the country and how seriously certain places are taking it. I mean, right. you know, it's it's along the lines of you know people going to spring break and living it up while this right. is all going right. on. So, um, you know, it, it's it's just a the extent to which it's resonating in one area versus another. So, um, I would imagine in a week's time or two weeks time, it'll seem that much more ludicrous that they were playing this, this tournament. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's also, sorry, Dan. Yeah. The cynical way of looking at it is they think this is sort of their chance, right? I mean, this is their chance to get some good players, but they're also, I'm sure they would say, we're doing a service. We're providing these guys with a chance to make money. So just, it's a weird situation. It would be interesting if you see like, a big name turn up on these mini tour events. I mean, not Anna Norquist obviously is a big name in women's golf, but I'm talking about if a, a PGA tour guy just randomly showed up as, you know, that'd be yeah. quite a ringer situation. I think the PGA tour guys have like kind of enough money. Maybe they would do it, but I know, uh, no, I know they, would, yeah. they would do it more for sport. Obviously. Totally. But one yeah. of the guys I talked to Dylan Wu, who's fifth in this, in the rankings right now on the, on the corn Ferry tour, right. he's going to play some events and he said, it's not for money. It's just to stay sharp. Stay you know, sharp. you want, you don't want to get super rusty because there is a chance yeah. they come back in May. So every, you know, right. it's, there's, there's many different reasons for playing a mini tour yeah. at this point. Well, I'm, I'm certainly not surprised that Vegas is trying to capitalize because they, they've got nothing. They're, they're trying to find yeah. anything to get people to bet on. So that doesn't surprise me. Um, all right, let's talk about something a little happier. Uh, I guess it's not that much happier because we would rather be watching the WGC match play this week. But um, I did come up with a list of top 10 memorable moments. I want to ru- I'll run through them quickly and then you guys can – uh, expound upon them or give us give your own memorable moments up uh, i'll start martin keimer wearing that stupid buff thing around his neck I'll never forget that he lost to luke down in the final uh roger malpy steve sands in 2013 had a snowball fight that was for some reason in arizona it snows every once in a while uh sergio and ricky the most ridiculous good good ever that was in 2014 uh, sergio had a 17 footer for par ricky had a five footer sergio said good good and ricky snatched it up uh then sergio kuchar most ridiculous non-concession ever that was last year forgot about uh, that sergio wow. missed the eight footer yeah. swiped it away kuchar goes to the rules whoa, official. Whoa, whoa. yeah 
says, I didn't give him it. I mean, come on. Uh, Dan, I want to ask you about that also because you've played in matches. Uh, then, of course, Keegan Jimenez almost coming to uh, – Keegan Bradley and Miguel Angel Jimenez almost coming to blows in 2015 over a, a drop and where he was dropping. And then uh, Miguel said, shut up to the caddy. And Keegan said, don't tell my caddy, shut up. Anyway, then an actual fight, the Pacquiao Mayweather. I remember Rory – watching it in the media center, which is part of the reason why he's, you know, the media loves him so much. That was a cool image. And then Tiger Woods won this event back to back in 2003, 2004, still insane. He actually won 13 matches in a row that ended in 2005, which is my next moment. Nick O'Hearn beat Tiger, not once, but twice in this event. He's the only pro to beat Tiger in match play twice. And then uh, last two here, Jason Day versus Victor Dubuisson, 23-hole final. If you remember, Dubuisson made two of the most insane up and downs from the desert on back-to-back holes to keep the match going. Jason Day basically was like, what do I have to do to end this guy? Uh, But he did finally win. Jason Day, by the way, has won this event twice, so sneaky good match play player. And then finally, of course, number one, nine and eight, Tiger, 2006, opening round against Stephen Ames after he said anything can happen, especially where he's hitting it, and Tiger just absolutely dusted him so anyway that's that's my top 10 it's a great event obviously we all kind of miss it even though we debate about the format or whatever you know what do you guys uh like about this or, or remember about this event i i, I was gonna say i hope you remember the duba song because that was the one that jumped to oh, mind about a great probably, probably yeah. the probably the best final yes uh of, of the ones you mentioned just in well, terms of actually one other great final and it was the first yeah. one but it was jeff maggard against andrew mcgee so you don't remember but maggard chipped in on the 38th hole to win so pretty good that was what i was gonna say is my original thought about this whole tournament is how i remember when they launched it it was like wow the best 64 players in the world they did you know at that point there was the world match play but there wasn't a pga tour match play format and that was it was super exciting but i remember the first couple of them were pretty disappointing in terms yeah. of the actual finals you had i think kevin sutherland was in the final yeah. or one one jeff maggard stricker when stricker was was not very good uh You're also right. stricker right. against pierre folk in the final wow so maggard so, mckee and yeah. kevin sutherland beating scott mccarran in 2002 Tell right me. so some some lean years for this yeah. event, and it, and it spoke to the whole. And I'm sure we'll talk about this too about how you know this was classically the tournament where it was the best day was on Wednesday, and it got progressively less exciting and worse right. um, over time. And then obviously they remedied that with the format switch, which which I guess I I forgot how I feel about that. It's been so long. But I think <laughs> overall it makes it makes it makes for it makes for a more equitable. Uh, you know, Saturday and Sunday, but but obviously it's kind of an awkward Friday when some guys are out of it and some guys yes. are in. Yes. Yeah, I like this event. I love match play in general, and I, I'm a big believer that we should use match play more often in professional golf. I think it there's a reason that the Ryder Cup and the President's Cup, of course, there's the whole you know, national pride thing in it, but it's a reason that it it appeals to non-golfers because you know you can right. you can be watching it and they say this putt to win the hole. And it's, right. it's that simple, you know, as opposed, as opposed to saying this putt for par in the grand scheme of the 72 old tournament where, you know, 144 players are also putting. It's just, it's easier for people to understand and, and the head to head aspect and the gamesmanship that comes with right. not giving a guy to, you know, a two and a half footer on the first hole and trying to plant some seeds in his head. I just think that we should use match play more often. It's always, I always leave this event as I, as I do the other two international competitions being like, this is great. Why there's 49 right. tournaments. Mm-hmm. Can a couple more of these be match play? Right, but it's easier said when we're not a TV executive and we don't have to worry about Pierre Folk in the final. Yeah, I mean, I've forgotten that. Hundred percent. I mean, I've forgotten even that Pierre Folk existed. Yeah, I don't know uh, who that is. To be but honest. okay, so Dan, back to the 
the Kucher uh, Sergio last year. So again, Sergio has an eight footer. He misses it. So Kucher gets lucky, dodges a little bullet there. The putt is literally, I don't know, six inches away from the uh, Not even. It was not like two inches. Okay. Yeah. Two inches. So it's one of those on the edge, sweeps it up, goes to the next hole, doesn't even think about it. Kucher says something to, has anything like that ever happened to you? And what, what did you think? Should Kucher not have said anything? Is he obligated to say something? What's the deal? The answer is no, that's never happened to me because I think it's, it's a pretty wild. Uh, yes. Yeah. You, you only, from my experience playing, playing match play, and this is just club championships. I you know never made any sort of match play competition of any sort of consequence. But you only say it's good when there's like a question whether it's good or not, because otherwise it's just sort of implied, you know, ball is sitting right. on the edge of the hole. You're going to make that putt a thousand times out of a thousand. And I would, I would be willing to bet that throughout that week and all the matches and all the holes that were played, that exact scenario where the guy misses a putt on the edge and then he doesn't verbally say it's good, right. but they just start walking to the next. So you just right. walk to the next hole. When a guy has a putt to tie the hole or to win the hole or something and it's seven feet, when he misses it, if it's sitting right there, you just turn and walk away. And I'm sure that happened dozens of times that week. Um, is it against the rules? Technically, yes. Does it happen all the time? Yes. Would anything have happened if Kuchar didn't go and t- find a rules official and say, I didn't give it to him? And then he was like, oh, I don't know what happens. But you have to think he, he didn't. I, no. So I, I think uh, I was Team Sergio in that, which, which I don't, didn't expect myself <laughs> to say very often, but I was Team Sergio. Yeah, and we saw it happen a couple years before the U.S. Junior final. Um, the, the a girl Erica Shepard who went to Duke, I forgot who she she beat, but she did the same thing. She said you could hear her on the video. She goes, "I didn't say that was good." Meanwhile, she had just well, happened uh, to the Solheim Cup too. That was a much bigger deal. Well, of course, Suzanne Pedersen. Yeah. yeah, but but this one it was so egregious. I thought because she had just dodged a four footer to lose the match, and mm-hmm. now she wins the match because she points out she didn't right. technically. I mean. Come on. Yeah. And, and come yeah. on. To, to Dan's right. point, you know, you say like, oh, technically it's not really part of the rules. And our, the stance has always been that you have to be really rigid with the rules because you're protecting the entire field. Well, in a match play scenario, you're not. Right. Really, the Good only, the only uh, context is, you know, you're standing, right? So in Matt Kutcher's case, when he said, well, I didn't give him that hole, it's not like he's, he's uh, you know, some magnanimous gesture on behalf of the entire field. It's because right. – something in him was saying, well, I can kind of probably play this to my advantage. And remember, this is all coming off of a, a pretty difficult couple of months for Matt Kuchar from a PR standpoint anyway. Uh, do, well, you remember, this, do you remember the video? Do you remember the video that they released the next day? Yes. Yeah. There was like a video of the two of them in a golf cart. Yeah. It was one of the more so, bizarre yeah. things I've seen in a little while. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, it, it obviously is a great event though. It, it, it will be missed this year. I, I going back to Sam, you brought up the, the format and I've gone back and forth on this as well. When they first changed it, I was all for it because I, I think there's too much unpredictability in this. And I thought, Oh, the round Robin will, will help. However, I think the stat, there's some stat. If you lose your first match of the three, you're like 88% not to advance anyway to the next round. So basically you're done anyway. Yeah. So they right. do, they do do the finishes now based on like, if you finish last in your group, you finish like T58 or something. And if you finish second to last, so there's oh, something to play okay. for so in the, terms of like world okay. ranking points and stuff. All right. Well, that's something, but I still, yeah. in terms of the actual tournament and advancing, I used to think, Oh, it's too unpredictable. You know, you have Nico Hearn beating tiger, but again, like 
any of these round robin matches, basically you you almost have to you can't lose almost. Right. I mean, but you know to be to be um, to wear the hat of a television executive, even if Tiger Woods loses his first match, he's still playing for two more days. That's right. He's not leaving town. So that's right. It, it's it's a small um, you know insurance policy against you know having nothing compelling to show. Right. And, and some years you get a lot of great matchups where the two guys playing on Friday happen to be battling, but there are other years where it's like maybe two of those matches really mean anything. And there's a lot of these matches that don't matter, but to Dan's point, I guess they do matter a little. Yeah, And I also think it's important given where the schedule is uh, that it's two weeks before Augusta. I think the, uh, the big reason for the change was the players wanting three guaranteed yes. competitive yeah. rounds because yeah. for a, a number of guys, it's their last for Tiger. It's his last start. Um, it would have been his last start probably right. before Augusta. So they don't want to come to a week and have it be their last tournament and then be out after 16 holes. Right. So I think it, it works better for the players as well to get those sort of guaranteed reps. Yeah. Well, Tiger got the, what, he got five matches last year. He lost and then, uh, then he won the Masters. So uh, one guy who would have been in the field this week is Matt Wallace, uh, four-time European Tour winner. He's also a guy who uh, toiled on the mini tours for a few years, and uh, he was a great great to uh, catch up with because he finds himself uh, kind of uh, hunkered down in Florida right now, kind of waiting out everything. He didn't go back to England because he had rented a house for this big, important stretch of the season. So uh, anyway, we talked to Matt Wallace about kind of what he's doing during this whole deal and, and uh, everything else that's happened so far in his career. Have a ch- listen to our chat with Matt Wallace. Today's show is brought to you by our friends at Shady Rays. Shady Rays is an independent sunglasses company that's out to solve all your problems with sunglasses. Your days of overpaying for shades are over because Shady Rays offers high-quality, polarized shades starting at just $48. The craziest thing about this company is the warranty, though. Just listen to how insane this is. If, for whatever reason, you lose or break your pair of Shady Rays, they will replace them no matter what happened. Name somebody else that's replacing your sunglasses for just the cost of shipping and handling. You can't. Oh, and every time you place an order, 10 meals are donated to Fight Hunger in America. For our listeners, they gave us the best deal they have to offer. So head over to ShadyRays.com and use code GOLF50 for 50% off two or more pairs. That's two pairs of shades to take to the green for the price of one, only with the code GOLF50, G-O-L-F-5-0. All right, I'm excited to welcome to the Golf Digest podcast for the first time, four-time European Tour winner, Matt Wallace. Matt, thanks for joining us today. How are you doing? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Good, thanks. So, obviously, uh, some crazy times going on here. Uh, where, first of all, where, where are you now? Obviously, you're from England, but uh, where are you now during, during all this craziness? Yeah, we're, um, we're down in Jupiter. Um, we've rented a place out here. Uh, for the schedule that was was supposed to be happening, obviously uh, this is supposed to be a week off after the after the players last week, and then we were heading off to the match play next week. Um, but yeah, everything's cancelled, so um, we're still here in Jupiter. Um, the weather's lovely here. The weather's better than it is at home. Speaking <laughs> um, with family, friends back at home, um, they're pretty much going into lockdown now. Right. Uh, so. Right. So when, um, obviously, the Thursday of the players, you guys play your round, and um, did, were you thinking that anything like this could, could happen at that point? Uh, no. Yeah. Uh, I, was, I was busy trying to call back um, the bogeys that I was making, so <laughs> I wasn't thinking too much about 
about um, what was going on. Right. And uh, then when we came in, there was a letter on the on the table uh, of the school on the school um, on the scoring table when we were we were reading it, and it was like there's going to be no fans tonight. So I was like, okay, that's that's going to be weird. That's going to be really weird, especially around here. Right. Um, but we were like, okay, that's that's fine. Taking precautions, that's good. And then I remember at night, um, I went to bed pretty early. Because I, I was up early that, that Thursday, I went to bed pretty early Thursday night. And my manager came like came in, I was knocked on the bedroom door. And uh, I was asleep, my girlfriend uh, opened the door and he said, uh, the event's cancelled, the tournament's mm. cancelled. And uh, I was, I, I was, it was weird, it was such a weird sort of feeling, especially waking up the next day on a Friday. Right. Uh, going up to the golf club to empty your locker on a, You normally do that Friday, late Friday, when you miss the cup, but <laughs> right. doing it when you even played the second round was, um, was quite strange. What was so obviously, like you said, you'd kind of rented this house for this, you know, a busy stretch coming up through the Masters. Was there any thought to changing your plans and, and trying to get home? I know a lot of um, Europeans yeah, were, were kind yeah. of scrambling. I've, 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 yeah, I spoke with, obviously, my girlfriend out here, I spoke with uh, family and friends back at home and managing my company and stuff. We, we enjoy it here. We really like it here. Mm. Um, I like the fact that I can I can go and practice as well still, right. um, which is important to me. Uh, the only issue is that I, I I had planned to in this week to have it as a uh, a practice week with my coaches, and they were going to come out, and obviously they couldn't come out because of the restrictions to travel and stuff. So mm-hmm. um, I managed to do it all via the phone, but luckily we've got technology nowadays to do that. Right. And So, so you've done some work with coaches through like FaceTime or, or yeah we do a bit of FaceTime and I, I video a lot of my swings um, and stuff so okay. uh, I'll send I'll send them uh, to my coach he'll have a look at them and then he'll give me some stuff to work on and I'll go away and work on it um, and with with my, like, my putting drills and my putting coach Mike Kemsky, um he'll give he'll give me some texts to go and do uh, I'll show him a few videos of my technical, but then I'll, I'll do some text and then send over the text results and stuff, and then he'll tell me what I need to go work on. And mm-hmm. It's good, you know, it's, it's nice to be set, especially with the way I was playing at the start of this year. haven't played the way I wanted or haven't scored the way I wanted to. I'm trying to see this in a, a positive light, to mm-hmm. see the extensive break-off that I can go away and work on my game. And, right. Uh, Right, right. What so? What um, I guess in the the past few days, what's kind of a typical schedule for you? How much are you practicing? How much are you inside? Or how much are you going out and playing? Yeah, I've taken a couple of days off, which is nice. Um, okay. I didn't touch a club until Tuesday this week from last week from the players last week. So we got back down to the the house here until so Saturday night. Um, we went shopping. Uh, we bought pretty much a whole supermarket. 
staying pretty much active. Uh, we are we are self isolating ourselves from seeing people that we would normally see. But um, yeah, it, it, it's quite easy. I think it's, I was thinking about it this morning while I was watching uh, the UK news and people talking about self isolating and staying away. And I, I feel like that's what I normally do anyway. I feel like I, I play golf, I go to the gym, and then I'm in the house. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, obviously, any anything that you've kind of started doing in the house, being cooped up, any new hobbies, any new activities? <laughs> Not yet, but my <laughs> girlfriend's making me do more chores. Than, uh, <laughs> uh, I can't. I can't use the excuse of being tired after a long day of practice or a long day of uh, playing golf. So right. She's like, right. You're not tired. Go and do some work. <laughs> anything um any watching anything good on tv reading anything good anything you know to keep keep busy yeah i mean it's, it's like everyone nowadays is uh netflix is their best friend and, right um luckily we've got we've got a five stick that we can we can channel into watching some uk channels so we still want to catch up with stuff from home but netflix we're watching the crown uh, i'm learning about all, all of my uh Mm. Uh, that was one one thing we watched. Sure. <clears throat> well, obviously, like you said you, you weren't off to the the start that you wanted to this season, but but you're coming off a, a couple great seasons in a row. Um, well, three really great seasons yeah. in a row. Um, you know, talk about last year. You know, bef- before actually before all this happened, you know, there was such a big debate. Uh, we were worried about things like rolling the ball back and 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 these Paul Azinger comments that I'm sure you've heard. Uh, during the the Honda Classic, yeah. I believe, with the that tour comment. Now you're someone with four yeah. European tour wins. Um, when you heard kind of the way that that he said that, were you surprised, angered, or did you think it was not a big deal? Um, I was surprised. Yeah. Because I know Paul knows how difficult it is to win anywhere. Right. Um, right. But uh, I mean, there's there's a, there's a, there's a bit of sense in what he said. Anyway, so um, yeah, it's a little bit of a throwaway comment, and it, it doesn't 
probably a great one. Sure. Hang on one second, Matt. One second. I got to, uh, my, my daughter's running around like a wild child. One second. Sorry about that. <laughs> this is the problem of working at home. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, of course. Difficulty wearing, winning anywhere. And, and speaking of which, I mean, it, what an incredible rise that you've had just the last few years. Uh, just in 2016, you were winning on the Alps Tour, which uh, a lot of golf fans don't even know what that is. And, and I think you had a pretty dominant run there, five wins in a row. But um, to go from that to then the Challenge Tour in 2017, and then by the end of 2017, being a European Tour winner, and then 2018, you won three times. I mean, why do you think it all kind of came that quickly all of a sudden for you? Um, a bit of luck, really. Um, <laughs> I think you have to have a bit of luck sometimes, especially winning tournaments. I, I, I obviously was playing some really good stuff, and I was probably playing to a level that was better than the tours that I was on. I think that's why I, I got out onto the European tour pretty quickly. Um, I remember, obviously, that 2016 year, I won six times that year, five of them in a row. So I was obviously playing some great stuff and high confidence. And then I got onto the Challenge Tour through my ranking through that tour. And I won uh, the co sanctioned event in Portugal, uh, which got me straight onto the European Tour. Mm. Um, so I was lucky to win the right tournament. You know, I, if I'd have won the week before in Turkey, uh, which my friend Ryan Evans did, uh, I'd have still been on the Challenge Tour. I'd have just probably been leading the Challenge Tour with the merit. So, wow. uh, yeah, I won the right tournament. And... Um, it's gone from strength to strength, I think. Yeah. From, from looking back at my what I did differently was I, I got to understand my swing more and I lost a few tournaments um, from from the pressure and like internally and mentally I felt absolutely fine. It was just my technical that didn't allow me to, to hit the shot that I wanted to at the time, so the pressure um, affected my technique and I hit poor shots. So that's where I, I, I changed and I went more down a, a technical route. Mm. I went down more the um, wanting to get positions in my swing to get them to get them right. And uh, yeah, I was fortunate enough that I had the hard work and the mentality to put that in place. And um, two months after changing my swing, uh, the end of 2015 and stuff, I. I just rattled off a few really good tournaments and I've gone from there really and I've, I've always tried to improve my technical and that's why I feel like I can sustain a little bit of my good golf um, even from coming from the mini tours up to top 50 uh, in the world tournaments, you know. Right. T- tell us a little about the Alps Tour. What uh, What's that like uh, versus obviously <laughs> now now playing the big time? Yeah, it's, uh, it's brutal. Yeah. Absolutely crucial. It's um I mean it's good fun though, but it, it definitely hardens you up, you know, it was uh, a tour that costs quite a lot of money. Um we worked out normally when I was asking for sponsors which came very rarely. Um I was very fortunate enough to have a, a syndicate of, of members at my golf club at the time that put in a certain amount of money. Um so I worked out that because it was around Europe, but not always in Europe. We went to Egypt, we went to Tunisia in, in Africa, we went to uh, Israel, we went all over the place. 
right. everything was about trying to do it on a budget and horrendous times because they're early early morning uh, flights and you're going to countries that you have no idea the language and you're also going to the places that aren't aren't familiar so like in Italy you wouldn't just go to Rome or Milan or right or places like that you'd go to somewhere that's really really random so English probably wouldn't be their first language or second or third so you're, you're having to ask for water bread or what, milk or whatever um, by looking it up on your phone or or somehow mimicking it to them um, kind of like a game of uh, charade sort of thing so it was difficult to to, to do that and then the golf wise there were normally 15 or 20 players that could win the tournament so smaller condensed fields uh, mm-hmm. for people that could win but it was hard it was really really hard like for the first three years um, I just managed to keep my card mm-hmm. obviously I had a chance, few chances to win but um, it takes time you know to learn how to get across the line mm-hmm. and then um, yeah that, that, that final year I managed to to make a good run of it and you were always losing money. Um, mm. So I'll give you an example. So I got £10,000 as a sponsor in my third year, so in the, the year before I won. And after that £10,000 was gone, um, yeah, I was paying, paying for myself. So I, I worked out there's £1,000 an event okay. to get to these places and pay for the whole week, pay for the entry, pay for food, hotel, wherever it may be. Um, and, I mean, you've got to finish in the top three or four to get a £1,000 back. That's how brutal it is. So you're never really going to be um, making any money. Right. Um, so after 10 events, there's the 10000 sponsorship gone. I've got to make enough money in those 10 events to be able to afford to play for the next seven or eight events. Right. You know? So there was... There was there's pressure that you don't even mm-hmm. think of, and there's pressure that that you, I was just constantly under, and that's why I don't feel some players can get off that level because they're always thinking of that. Whereas, uh, for some reason, my mental side was I'm going to grind as hard as I can. That that, I'm, that it doesn't that that isn't even an issue. So I worked really hard that um, I didn't think of the money, you know. Uh, and then managed to make enough in that final year to probably cover my costs for the whole three years that I played. Mm. So I managed to give that back to my sponsors as a thank you. And um, all I ever wanted to do was get off that tour and graduate. Right. Um, those tours aren't about making money. So for the for the youngsters and the the guys that are turning pro and thinking, oh, they're going to make money on these mini tours. You can't. You have to do something ridiculous like I did to even make a little bit of profit. Yeah. How, how does that stack up to the? Um was it the uh, PGA Euro Pro, Pro Tour? I, I actually sponsored very small. Yeah. I did a story on this guy. I, I sponsored him um, for a couple years, and now he's on the European Tour. He made it. Dave Dave Coupland. He's also a, a fellow Brit. How, how does the Alps Tour kind of oh, stack? Oh yeah, nice. Yeah. Yeah. You know you know him. 
Yeah, I do. I do. <laughs> How does the Alps tour kind of stack up to, to that tour? Cause I know he had a really good year on that. That got him to the challenge tour. And then and now obviously, well, actually he had to get through Q school to get to European tour, but um, is the Alps tour kind right. of on the same level as, as that, that mini tour? Yeah. It's the same, it's the same level as in like the divider. Okay. Well, you mentioned you had great timing winning that the Portugal event that that kind of got you onto the European tour. But some might say you didn't have great timing in that you won those three events in 2018, and and kind of the last couple I think were were later, right before the the Ryder Cup selection. And and obviously you were a tough um, omission by Captain Thomas Bjorn for the 2018 team. You were you know yeah. just off the points list. How how tough was that for you? Because obviously that was your first chance to even be in the mix um to play that well and 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 not get picked how tough was that and and how tough was it kind of watching that event or or was it not tough because you know europe did well and and obviously those captain's picks did turn out to do pretty well yeah well at the time i was i was absolutely gassed i felt like um i felt like i i showed a different side to my personality my character um in, in the Denmark event that I won in front of Thomas um, mm. the last event before the picks were going to be announced the next week and I just thought I had a, I had an amazing chance to get in right. um, wow. but Thomas and I are really good friends and I even to this day like, I speak about it I speak to him about my game trying to improve um, he's always he's the captain he is and he's the person he is for a reason like he's a great, great player you can learn a lot from him so I'm using that uh, I'm using our friendship for that to try and help me improve and mm-hmm. I've got a lot of respect for Tom um, at the time it was brutal I felt I felt like I did everything I could do um, even in that year but the reasons are the reasons and I probably at the time um, I didn't play well enough in the big events uh, had I played against the best players in the world at the time, yes, and competed against them like I have done now. Mm-hmm. Um, so, not to say I couldn't have gone to Paris and offered something better, maybe got an extra point or an extra half point or whatever. Right. But I, 
was a Team Europe fan and uh, I loved it. And like you say, the pigs got the most points ever from any pick. <laughs> yeah. That's the, the Thomas one. And right. uh, as soon as as soon as Phil put it in the water against Francesco and, right. and we won, um, I went straight to the range. And that's no word of a lie. I went straight to the range. Um, I didn't watch my good friend Alex Norman roll that pie in the <laughs> end uh, because I was too busy trying to work on wanting to be there. You know, I want to wow. be there right. uh, in the next one. So I used it as sort of motivation to be like, I remember watching it a lot going, wow, that, I was so close. Like, that could have been this could have right. been there. And I, was, I was, yeah, it was difficult. It was a really difficult time, but I try and use the adversity as, Right. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned playing well in the big events and, and I was just looking at the, the points list. I know, again, we've talked to you you're off to a slow start this year, but I was surprised that the European side, you don't get credit for um, the majors from last year. And obviously you had such a great run there. You were T3 at, at Bethpage, T12 at Pebble Beach at the US Open. So I, I would have thought you would be higher up on the list, but that, that's kind of, that's tough that you don't get points for that. Yeah. They only, they only start um, at Wentworth. Right, uh, right. Go from Wentworth to Wentworth. Um, so I'm really unsure of when I'm even. I might be playing at Wentworth next time. Um, the next time we play, so mm-hmm. uh, un- unsure and uncertain of how the Ryder Cup points are gonna are gonna stand from now and how you're gonna get into the Ryder Cup of state if it goes ahead and it's not postponed. Um, so yeah, I didn't get off to the, the start that I wanted to when when the points have have, have kicked on. Uh, but you know you've got to take care of yourself. You've got to be quite, you've got to be quite selfish um, to make these teams. Sometimes you've got to perform individually to then get into a team event. So I need to take care of business. I need to do myself. I need to play better golf, um, and then hopefully I can make it into a team, team the team event that I've always wanted to get into my whole life. Right. Um, and I know for the fact that I perform in that situation because I've played, I've grown up playing team sports my whole life. So it's something that I want to do badly. And um, I feel I will, I will at some point. Um, right. Maybe not this year. Who knows when, but I feel I will at some point. Right. Well, obviously, if you're an emotional player. Um, I got to ask you, you know, there was an incident in Germany last year that kind of went viral with you and, a, and your caddy, Dave McNeely. And, and you guys, you said you ended up hugging it out, but then you did end up splitting. Um, what what kind of did you learn from that? I, I read that you said even your your parents got on you a little for, for that that uh, incident. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, my parents are probably the best people in my life, but also they've grown up in sport. They know they know what happens in sport and they then became uh, physical education teachers so they've always been around kids that might step out of line sort of thing mm. and um, so this is how, how it went in I don't really need to talk too much about it but I'm no. quite open to it because I feel it got a little bit it, well it definitely got over it went over the top with the chat that, that uh, happened on social media after mm-hmm. and whatever anything may have looked like it wasn't that at all so um, building up to the event and everything was, was good I don't, didn't feel like I was playing my best golf but then I found myself uh, in a tight of it or one that needed a birdie to tie 
buy the leads or something on the last hole. So I somehow managed to find myself in that position. Um, and the chat on the tee was, I was going to aim at this TV tower, but there were two TV towers out there. And um, David thought that I was aiming at the one on the right, so he said, go way left. And I was like, I was aiming at the left one. So oh. Way <laughs> left um, so oh, it was just a, a miscommunication gotcha. of, of chat between daddy and player. And in that situation, this is the difficult thing. Like, knowing now what happened, which is a good thing, you take that extra second of breath, you talk it through, you come up with the main uh, shot that you want to do, and then you fully commit to that. Whereas I was under, unsure and undecided of what I was doing, but in the heat of the moment, I was so focused on trying to win the tournament that you don't you don't say anything, you just get on with it, and ultimately I pulled it left and went into the water. Mm. And that's all we were talking about on the, on the on actually out on the golf course. Right. Why, why did we do this? What, what was going on? And the fact that I could have saved it until after the round, and absolutely, 100% sure, I should have done that. And that was all my parents were saying. They said, don't, you've got to remember you're in the, you're in the line right now. It's not like you're playing on the Alps tour and <laughs> no cameras around and nobody's watching. You've got to control your emotions more and you've got to think about what you're going to say or do on the golf course. And Dave and I were, like, afterwards, I said, let's not let this affect us. Mm-hmm. Let's move on from this and use it as like a bit of a, a bit of a kick up the backside sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, the stuff that like Dave and I after that was great. We we hugged it out and we we were fully focused on going to the next event and improving and stuff. And then obviously I got quite a bit of backlash on social media and stuff mm-hmm. like that from people that, that don't know the story, don't know the situation. So. Mm-hmm. Um, Dave and I still speak, we're on great terms, and, you know, it's something that I've had to put up with, but I'm hoping at the moment I'm showing that I can, that's, that's not who I am, mm-hmm. and whatever the story was actually on the golf course was, it was a heated discussion that anyone has, right. you know, but it wasn't anything that it was construed out to be, and, um, yeah, that was just my passion and my fire when coming out, and we just had a, 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 a miscommunication on the team. Gotcha. Yeah, well, obviously, we've seen that with a lot of players. You guys are playing for so much. The stakes are so high. Um, uh, before I let you go, I just got to ask, you know, obviously, the Masters has been postponed. Uh, we don't know when it's going to happen. But, you yeah. know, people, obviously, everybody's talking about Tiger, Tiger coming to defend. You have to come back to defend the Par 3 championship. You're, you're a defending <laughs> champ there. That's, so what do you, do you get to bring something back? Do you get to host any kind of dinner? What, what's the deal with that? I think I, I, think I posted up. Um, a, a picture on Twitter actually when I was having uh, some friends around some food and I was just like just preparing for my par 3 championships <laughs> it's not a bit um, I'll be I'll definitely be eating alone probably that week uh, mm-hmm. in, my, in my champions dinner right. um, but no, it's, it's probably the one tournament you don't want to defend isn't it right uh, right <laughs> once you win you don't want to win it again yeah but, yeah um I'm I'm one and done for that. Let's say I'm never going to win it again. I'm not going <laughs> to ever try and win it again. Um, but I, I, it was a funny story. So Robert Rock, obviously my coach, he was out there that week, and um, I'm I've, I'm grinding away. I've had a long week already. I've had the longest Wednesday 
ever because I was up there at seven o'clock. I played with Rory in the morning. Mm. I played nine holes with Rory. Um, I've been gone for lunch. I've been gone back onto the range. I'm hitting balls. I'm warming up. I'm practicing. I'm hitting my putts and stuff ready for the next day. And then Danny Willett and Eddie Pepple come to me and say, "Come, let's go and play the par three. Um, we'll put some money on whoever wins." whoever gets holding one so there's quite a bit of cash up for grabs and so I was like alright let's do it what's the chances of someone getting a hole in one blah 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 and uh, we go and play I obviously have a hole in one on, on eight so <laughs> I take their money which is great but because we were like kind of laughed out um, the playoff I was in the playoff with Sandy Law and then I, I, I eventually win that and then you've got to do media after that you've got to take pictures Right. So from seven o'clock in the morning on a Wednesday, I was there until six o'clock at night, <laughs> and that isn't the best preparation ever for a Masters. Let's let's just say that. So I've learned from that. Right. And um, I messaged Rocky that night. I'm saying I'm going to do it. I'm going to be the first person ever to win the par three and, and the tournament. <laughs> and um, I go and miss the cut. <laughs> uh, there's a there's a little, uh, little something for us to not get ahead of ourselves ever and also never to win the par three because the curse is still alive the well yeah you had two things against you that the curse and then the fact that rookies never do well there anyway so hopefully your second exactly. time around goes goes better hopefully uh the second time around comes sooner than we you know you know hopefully it comes this year so matt thanks so much for taking the time uh you know stay safe out there stay uh stay careful um have fun down in Florida as best you can. Obviously, you're making the most of the situation. And, and again, hopefully we get to see you out there uh, on the course this year at the Masters and everywhere else. Thanks, thanks for joining us, Matt. It's 2020, and we're all looking for ways to improve our health and hit our own personal goals this year, whether it's being smarter about how we train, making a better effort to get more sleep, or simply thinking more about our body's overall wellness. Today's sponsor, Whoop, is a fitness tracker that goes beyond counting steps and provides 24-7 fitness, sleep, and recovery insights personalized to you. There's nothing else like it on the market. Our lives cause different levels of stress on our body from training to work and our lives at home. Whoop understands that and quantifies it for you into actionable metrics. With Whoop, you'll get daily recovery score that looks at biometrics like heart rate variability, resting heart rate, and your sleep performance to let you know how ready your body is to perform. You're also given insights into the intensity of your training in real time and track how strenuous your day is, as well as get next-level sleep insight with suggested sleep times based on how strenuous your day is, track your sleep stages and cycles, and see how much sleep you get compared to how much you needed. Whether you're looking to be smarter about your fitness, better about your sleep, or be more mindful of your body's recovery, Whoop has you covered. If you're looking to be smarter about how you train, sleep, or recover, Whoop is offering our audience 15% off with the code GD15. Go to whoop.com, that's W-H-O-O-P.com, and use the code GD15 at checkout and optimize your performance with Whoop. Thanks again to Matt Wallace for joining us. All right, guys, any uh, final thoughts before we uh, say goodbye for this week? My putting mat is supposed to arrive on Tuesday, so I just Ooh, want to announce that I'm going to be like Denny McCarthy status putter. One of the great the putters. Yeah, one, one of the best putters in the world, yeah. Well, you also got quite a haircut there, Dan. And Yeah, my, uh, my, my hair is getting too long, and I, I don't like when my hair gets long. It gets curly and poofy, so I didn't trust my girlfriend to like give me a nuanced fade haircut, yeah. so we literally took my beard trimmer and just went to work. Just nice. So, yeah, there's nothing wow. on the top of my head. Wow. That works for you. 
Well, and to, I have my, uh, if you guys are saw my, my chipping uh, hole yeah. on the side yard, it's like, you know, it's like a, like a 10 yard chip. That's not, no, you have a nice setup out there. I'm, I'm kind of jealous. All right, guys. Well, it was fun. Uh, thanks again to Matt Wallace for joining us. Thanks to our producer, Greg Godfrey. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts if you haven't done so already and check back next week to see who our guest is.